You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of equine angular lung deformities with Dr. Liz Sanchi. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Sanchi, who is boarded in surgery, is a former professor of equine surgery at Kansas State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. She now is retired from the university and lives in Kentucky, where she works in association with equine medical associates on specific cases. Dr. Sanchi was recognized with the 2021 AAEP Distinguished Educator Academic Award. Her primary clinical interests were in orthopedic diseases of juvenile horses, and that included disorders such as osteochondrosis and subchondral bone cysts, septic arthritis, and angular and flexural limb deformities. Thank you, Dr. Sanchi, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about equine angular limb deformities. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I mean, you have had a long career working and understanding exactly what is going on with some of these uh, foals and figuring out some ways to help them. So for our vets, our vet students and our vet techs that are listening this morning, can you give us some just some tips and what you have learned during your career and what you would recommend when a veterinarian is uh, faced with an angular limb deformity in a foal? How do they start? Well, um, I think the biggest thing I'd like to say is is that managing um, angular limb deformities is more important than surgery. And the the body, the foal, nature prefers a straight-ish limb, but maybe not a perfect limb. Uh, And I think we go through uh, a lot of machinations to try and get to where we think is best And sometimes we're right about that, that's for sure. But other times it's just the way it is and the many strategies we use in order to alter the conformation are pointless and rarely detrimental. So nature prefers a functional straight-ish limb uh, and you should uh, allow the foal to get there on their own. Um, The other thing I would say, however, is the way we're breeding horses these days is you know, the foals are bigger and bigger. When I started my veterinary career, a 100, 110 pound foal was a, was a good foal, was a robust individual. And now routinely, at least in thoroughbreds, we get 140 pounders. And um, those horses often have more weight load on their legs than they're, you know, able to handle. And so, and they're also racing bred and their moms are usually retired racehorses uh, and they're quite active. And so it is easy for a foal to hurt itself. And so I think part of the management of angular limb deformities is in controlling their exercise. They sure need some lungs, muscles, heart, the whole thing. They need it. Their bones need it. But there's such a thing as too much. Um, And for some of our uh, um, overbred managed uh, horses, thoroughbreds, I think of quarter horses, um, you can see some damage that perhaps could have been ameliorated or even eliminated by better control of their exercise. And so when a, a veterinarian is faced with one of these cases, you know, the farm calls out and says, hey, this this isn't looking right. 
when you go in to do your examination, what are the first things you're looking for? Well, it depends a little bit on the age of the foal. If it's a young foal, obviously there can be other concomitant perinatal problems that you need to eliminate. Maybe he, you know, can't get up. Maybe he has lacks uh, collateral ligaments in other locations. So you got to go through that part with the babies. But if you got a 30 day old foal who's just crooked and looks robust and healthy and all that, you can forget about sort of that. So the first thing that I look at is their overall condition. Are they gaining weight? Are things looking good, you know, from that perspective? Uh, And then I want to see what he looks like standing there uh, and try and find out what the owner's primary concern is and whether that concern is related to uh, performance or ultimate sale or even just knowledge. Yeah. And so um, try to try and figure out how much we concerned we should be about this deal. Yeah. Uh, And so then obviously I'll watch the full move. I think it's very useful to watch uh, foals move with angular limb deformities. And particularly, it sounds weird, but watching them from behind, even the forelimbs, I think I can get get a better idea on uh, some aspects of foot flight and foot landing from behind. And of course, don't forget, it's much less common, but their hind limbs can also have uh, angular limb deformities. So I'll watch the full static standing there. I'll watch it move. uh, And then obviously, we palpate the limb. And try and see if there's anything, usually there's nothing, but sometimes we can see if there's anything that would help us add to the clinical picture. Um, So those things, and then we might move on to diagnostics. Lots and lots of foals get evaluated without looking at radiographs of their uh, limbs, but particularly if they're severely deformed, that's a bad word, severely deviated, uh, then I will definitely recommend some radiographs to try and figure out if we're dealing with a unformed, malformed, less formed, uh, usually it's cuboidal bones in the knee, uh, or if the foal has been doing some damage, yeah? And if we see examples of sclerosis and uh, wedging of the, particularly the distal metacarpal metatarsal epiphysis, but also the distal radius, um, and that can give us some clues as to, you know, what's going on. Yeah. I want to go back just a little bit when you say you want to watch the foals move. So we know some foals on these very well-managed thoroughbred farms, the foals can be led back and forth or led beside their mothers. Do you have any tips? Because foals can be really hard to watch move. Yeah, I I mean, I would prefer to watch them without a handler um, just because they're generally reacting and even resisting that individual. And so you're not going to get sort of the natural uh, foot flight sort of pattern. So um, I would prefer to, um, yeah, have the mare be led, obviously, and just sort of weave in and out of where the fool goes, uh, weave myself around so that I can examine uh, the things I want to see. Sometimes, though, they do need to grab a hold of the thing. If at all, it'll do is run around and be crazy. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just what you have to live with. Yeah. And so what I'm looking for is foot flight. But as I said, foot landing, um, there's a lot of uh, fetlock deviations that um, uh, can be uh, affected by poor foot wearing and can be helped by some degree of 
uh, I don't want to say shoeing, but it's usually trimming plus a little bit of hoof augmentation in order to help them land flatter and not so crooked. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you were talking about, you, you did mention the knees, but you, and the fetlocks. So where, where do you mostly, and, and, and in your experience, where are you mostly going to be looking for some of the actual issues if you decide to go ahead and the owner wants some x-rays to see what's going on? Yeah, most, um, most people are concerned about the knees, the carpus, um, because it's just obvious. There's a long thing above it. There's a long thing underneath it. And the angulation or change there is most apparent. Um, and absolutely, they can get uh, angular limb deformities that need attention there. Um, but the fetlocks, it's a little bit harder for people sometimes, particularly the hind fetlocks. And so they can uh, miss changes there. So I would encourage anybody who's evaluating a foal, really for any reason, but certainly for confirmation, to make sure that you evaluate the fetlocks, uh, all four of them, uh, carefully. Now, are there angular limb deformities in other locations of the leg? Probably. But we know so little about you know, the appropriateness or what it should be um, that we don't often um, investigate them. The one place that we haven't talked about is the hocks. Angular limb deformities there are really rare. They're almost always, always valgus, although I did see a varus one. So perhaps we'll go through the terms just so people understand. Valgus means the distal part of the leg deviates outside from the axis of the body. And varus means that the distal part of the limb is inward to the uh, axis of the body. So your classic crooked-legged foal has got carpal valgus, usually bilaterally. Um, and in fetlocks, valgus can occur, but varus is far more common. And that's generally acquired. So we do divide uh, angular limb deformities into congenital and acquired. And I actually think most of them, unless there's malformations, and then those are clearly congenital, i.e. born with it. Um, most angular limb deformities are, um, are a combination of both. Uh, a foal will be born a little bit valgus, but as he gains weight um, and starts and is running around, he can get more valgus because his crookedness makes him carry more load on the outside of the leg. And so even though he was crooked when he was born, so it's by definition congenital, uh, this acquired has made it worse. Yeah. And so um, hope, I hope that answered your question. I can't even remember what it was, but that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And we do have veterinarians who listen to the podcast who are mixed animal veterinarians. So they're not 100% full-time horse vets. So if they're called out to look at one of these horses and they may not feel comfortable, I mean, there are people like you who are experts in this who are available to help them out. So when would they know, gee, maybe maybe I need to, to go to get a little expertise or talk to somebody about this? Well, I would say if they are concerned that this deviation is going to impact this horse's ability to perform, then they might want to get somebody else's opinion about it. The one problem about that is, is that, you know, we, we obviously over the last 20 years, we've done more and more distance type consulting, yeah? And uh, one of the things uh, that I find difficult with angular limb deformities is, unless they're severe, if they're severe, it's no problem, but if they're mild to moderate, uh, 
looking at them on videos and and uh, reading radiographs can is not the greatest way to do it. It's much better to look at them live. But if that's all you got, then sure, yeah, ask somebody what they think about something. I'm sure people would be happy to help. So anyway, so so back to our back to our folds. So um, of course we've all hold, heard the old horse uh, folks that say you know joints close from the bottom up, and you have a certain amount of time to actually go in and affect changes on this. So can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, again, we're pretty much let's just deal with the front limbs. We're pretty much dealing with the fetlocks, um, and so that is distal cannon bone so uh and a little bit proximal p1 i mean here's the other thing we should say is is that if a horse is significantly bad word to use but so let's say moderately deviated it it is not a mistake but typically we tend to think about it oh it's at the distal cannon bone well if you do cts on these legs um it's affected all the way down now chicken and egg which came first you know sure of course the problem is, is that, you know, it's really difficult to affect the growth plate at the proximal P2, you know, um, and so um, what we tend to do is treat the place where there is the most obvious deviation. And the good news is, is that many of these folds will then follow with the other locations will improve. And there is actually some data on that. So the the distal cannon bone, uh, proximal P1 You'll see in books that it's closed, which means it's done growing at 60 days. Well, no, because, you know, full feet don't stay the same size from 60 days on, right? They still, they still grow, but the majority of the growth does occur within the first 60 days. So if you're needing to address something, uh, particularly if you're going to do surgery, you'd like to do it by then. There is, however, a caveat on that, which is um, so more recent treatments of um, fetlock deviations in horses uh, have been putting in what's called a transficeal screw. So that's a screw that crosses the growth plate, which is something I was taught never, ever to do because you can close it. Um, and the answer is, is you really are trying to do that. You are trying to catch the leg when it, it's crooked, but you're trying to take advantage of that last 10% maybe of growth, close it down so that the part that's left to grow can straighten the leg for you. If you do that too early, I have seen, cause you gotta take those screws out. I have seen horses that uh, correct. Yeah, you take the screw out. And then since they have growth left, they go right back to being crooked. So it's sort of like, I think of it, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Twitter meme where somebody is on a sinking ship and they step off that sinking ship right when it, you know, they're on the top of the mast and they step off the mast onto the pier right as the ship sinks. That's kind of what you want to do for the, you want to catch them right when they're just about ready to be done and then sort of nudge them in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, so ankles, uh, you know, I was always taught, you know, after 60 days, nothing can happen. And then somebody brings you in a four month old foal that's crooked and you're like, ah, you know, this is like too late. And they're like, try something. And so we'll put a transficeal screw in and they will improve. So there's something left. Um, and yeah, now if somebody brought in a crooked yearling, I'd be like, yeah, it's over. Yeah, there's nothing I can do for that. Um, but anyway, it goes a bit longer than we thought. 
then with regards to the knees, now the knees are open, just a bad term, but it, it radi- what it means is radiographically, you can still see the growth plate really up to 24 months of age. But again, it is, you know, massively uh, easier to impact growth the earlier that you do it. Again, I am really willing to wait on knees quite a bit uh, unless I, if they're getting worse, then that's a different issue. But if they're staying the same and maybe improving a tiny bit, but people are just getting anxious and the foal is 90 days of age, I'm like, just wait, you know, and uh, many, many of those foals will improve um, markedly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, 15, 20 years ago in Lexington, they started putting screws into yearlings uh, in order to impact uh, offset knees, which is we don't really understand it. It's, it's a complicated deviation of the knee, but, um, you know, it, it's a subtle deviation of the knee. And, and basically people were trying to fix it to make horses look better at the sales. Um, and so they started putting putting through the knees, putting screws in the knees at a year of age and people are like, well, how's that going to work? And it actually works just fine. So, uh, you have much longer time in, uh, you can still impact the carpus in a yearling. You cannot in a baby. That's a good point. And, and hawks, should you rarely be involved in a hawk, you'd probably want to, uh, somewhere in between those two, you'd want to get to the hawk by then. Today's Diseased Is Your podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record keeping and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. So let's say that, I mean, you you are a surgeon, but one of the things you said early on was let's let's see what else we can do with these foals. So how should veterinarians work with farriers to help them when you're working on the feet of these foals? Yeah, I mean, farriers are not often involved in, you know, foals for at least the first, I don't know, 60 to 90 days, anyway, of life. And for fetlocks, you'd like to kind of get in there sooner. If they wanted to, if a farrier had an interest in it, I think it would be great. Um, But most of the time, most of the time, um, what the veterinarian is the one that uh, applies uh, stuff to the feet. So the deal is, is, is that what you're trying to do is unload the area that is overloaded, which is often the medial side because they're almost always varus, um, and, um, you know, make them land flatter and break over more even. Because foals, not all, but many foals will develop kind of a pointy toe, particularly in the hind legs, um, just based on the way they move. And what that does is, is that stops them from breaking over in the center of the foot. And so particularly like in a fold that's varus, what happens is, is they have the pointy toes, they start breaking over laterally, right? So breaking over is the part where the foot leaves the ground and gets, you know, gets more load on it at the very end of the stance phase. Um, and then that lateral sides get, gets more and more worn down, which then 
increases the amount of breaking over laterally that it does. And so as a result, the medial side gets overloaded. And um, so what we try and do with those horses is, well, the first thing, anytime I see a foal with two pointy toes, I don't care if he's not crooked or not, is I take a rasp and I try and rasp it off. And it's not much, just a little bit. You don't need to take much. You don't want to take much, but I'll just square off their toe a little bit just to kind of encourage them to break over centrally. Then if we've got, you know, a deviation, a varus deviation, the fetlock, plus even with or without any damage to that lateral wall or sort of grinding down of that lateral wall, we'll go ahead and add um, some, I don't know, well, we use Equilox, I don't know what the right word, some augmented in some way. Um, you don't want to use uh, Technovit like for cows. Um, it's pretty hot, can get pretty hot when it cures. Um, which, you know, you can handle that with cold. While they set up, you can put cold towels on them and draw some of the heat away. But um, it's also very brittle. And so it breaks very easily. As opposed to Equilux, which it does have a bit of an exothermic setup, but it's nowhere near as bad as Technovit. Um, and it also has the material properties very similar to the hoof. So it has some give to it. And so... Um, yeah, we try, and my goal is to augment the same or just a little bit more from what the foot would normally look like. Because if they've ground off that lateral side, it looks a little asymmetric, yeah? Um, and so then we uh, go back to where it should have been, plus a little bit more. I've seen people put big hunks on there, you know, because they think, well, if I extend it laterally, uh, the more I do, the better it's going to be. But the problem with that is, is that it... Um, it has a long lever arm and it tends to crack off anyway. So, yeah, we just uh, prepare the foot, obviously clean it off. Um, you can defat it with the uh, liquid portion of the polymer thing, whatever it is. Um, if you like, take a little um, uh, sanding paper uh, to it to rough it up to give it a better hold on. And then, you know, I usually put it on, you know, if you were, if it was a, it was a clock face, it would be from, you know, like 10 to 12 uh, on that dorsal lateral aspect of the foot. So that's, you know, that's mostly what we do. People will also do it for rotational deformities, which we haven't talked about very much at all. Most horses, almost all horses are rotated out. Um, and some are just built that way. And you can put all the Equilux in the world on it. Um, others just need to grow up you know, expand their chest, which helps them rotate in a little bit. And so I tend to not use it too much for outward rotation. Yeah. Explain maybe for some of the mixed animal practitioners or the students that are listening, when you talk about, I mean, the horse people we know, you know, foals are born in their feet. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with my hands here for those of you on the podcast that, you know, that's unfortunately I'm, I talk with my hands, but you know, the foals will be, you know, out a little bit, but as their chest grows, they come in. So explain how that works to these folks. I don't know. I mean, that's the, the, the story. That's the story we tell each other. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably true. And it's probably related to um, them getting, uh, let me just make sure I say this right, just getting more load, more evenly distributed on the leg, probably has something to do with the enlargement of the chest, um, increased muscle you know, when they're born, right, those muscles haven't had any gravity attached to them, really, and no load. And so 
you know, it takes them a while to develop um, and to act. I don't know what the right word is appropriately or the way we hope they will. And so, yeah, that's just the way it seems to be. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, the old horseman, I grew up in the thoroughbred, you know, industry in Lexington. The old horseman said if they're if they're towed out when they're born, that's fine. If they're towed in, get the bed in there. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, and it's the same with Varus. If they're born Varus, you need to, like, do something because they're only going to get worse. Um, and also toe in, toe out. Those are the terms we use. But they really are a combination of usually, usually, they are a combination of angular and rotational deformities. Yeah. Or deviations, I guess I should say. I try not to say deformity too much, even though we all do, because, yeah. you know, we did a study one time. We looked at, I don't know, a hundred and a half, I don't know, thoroughbred foals, and 94% of them were born valgus. Well, so if 94% of them are born that way, maybe it's not abnormal. Yeah, it's not a deformity. Rather, it is um, a deviation. Anyway, that's my story on that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the rotational ones. Where, what is happening there? You know, it's another one that it, it, that attacks, that is probably, if you, there, there's no one point of rotation, and it probably occurs uh, all throughout the limb. Uh, there are some horses who are pretty straightforward. If you look at the front of their knees, they are straight, and then they deviate down at the bottom. So clearly that means that the, um, you know, that the rotation is centered, it's a bad term, but is primarily in the metacarpus or metatarsus. Um, and it's just, you know, there's just some horses that are born towed out. Um, and, you know, uh, it is something that is not selected much against in the sales of thoroughbreds. It is, however, a severe deviation in young standard breads particularly the trotters who um, are what they call the good ones are called what's called passing gated, which means that their uh, uh, hind leg oversteps their forelimb at speed. And if that forelimb is outwardly rotated, that's, that's bad. That's not good. Yeah. Lots of interference that way. Um, but, but we generally don't address uh, surgically anyway, rotational deformities because Nothing seems to work that great. And when we're talking about angular limb deformities and foals, what would you say, just kind of as a wrap up, what's the most important things that veterinarians should look for when they're faced with one of these cases? Well, the first thing that, you know, I do is tell everybody, take a deep breath. We got plenty of time. We got, you know, uh, if they're really bad, take some radiographs because there are occasionally folds that are born without, for instance, lateral styloid processes. If they're also really bad, but they radiograph normally, most of the time it's carpal valgus. And mostly it's because they have a laxity of their medial collateral ligament of their radiocarpal joint. That one you need to do something about right away because they're so crooked, they're crushing the lateral side of their knee and they can be ruined. Those foals will respond very, very well to some sort of external coaptation, which I generally don't recommend for angular limb deformities, but for this particular issue, I certainly do. And the other, the, how do you tell that's what it is, is, is you can wiggle the leg back into a normal position. 
right? Most angular limb deformities, they just are, and there's not a lot of laxity. But in these foals, you can wiggle the leg back. And I do better with those foals with casts, uh, tube casts. So their foot is on the ground. Uh, the cast runs from sort of the bottom of the fetlock, middle of the fetlock to, you know, halfway up the radius. And that can be a little challenging to put on for people who don't do it very often. Um, and so I would encourage you to get some assistance if you're doing that. I always put them on under general anesthesia because the last thing that you want to do is have a full move halfway through the cast and then you've ruined everything. And yeah, they do goose step uh, for a while. And the first time steps they take, they plant their nose and it's amusing. But if they rapidly figure out what to do, and um, if you and because the foals are growing so fast and the casts, of course, are not, you know, you can leave them on seven to ten days, and then you got to cut them off because we're their skin's so thin. We're worried about castors. So I actually always leave these foals in the hospital just because people don't really know what they're looking at, and I do. Um, but if you take them off at ten days, they're usually fine. They're they've got they've gotten enough. Mm, substance back into their medial collateral ligament that they can appropriately load the limb without any more assistance. So um, that's the one time when it's like, this is, this is something we shouldn't screw around with. But if it's just, you know, kind of a crooked foal or a windswept foal, you know, where everything seems to go the wrong direction, my, uh, my diagnosis is just calm down and get a double stall. Hopefully you have a double stall um, that you can put the mare and foal in. And that is usually sufficient exercise for them to mature some of their muscles, tendons, ligaments, whatever, bones, um, and start to straighten the process of straightening on their own. You do that for two, and they can't really hurt themselves. You do that for two weeks. If things are heading our way, then they can go out into a round pen, um, you know, a couple of weeks of that. And then we move through, you know, paddock to pasture based on what what are what we have available, and also, you know, how the foal is responding. Okay. okay. And is there anything else, Dr. Sanchi, that you would like to share with our audience about angular limb deformities and foals? No, well, I've talked a lot, and you know, mostly it's it's like calm down. You know, it it'll probably be okay. Um, or it will be okay enough to be a, to, to be what it was going to be. Um, but there are a few red sort of red flag ones. And so you need to be able to identify those. Um, and one of the ways that helps me identify what's exactly going on is to take some radiographs um, to make sure that I sort of know where the worst part of the deviation is, is uh, centered. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sanchi, for joining me today on this episode of Disease Du Jour. We want to thank our listeners for joining us, and a special thanks to our 2022 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. We invite you to listen to any of the past episodes of Disease Du Jour on your favorite podcast platform, or you can go to equimanagement.com, and we have a recording right there on the article page. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown at equinenetwork.com. Disease Digital is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.